Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Call of Leadership podcast, where we interview people from our Michigan community who answered the call of leadership. We'll hear their powerful stories and get their advice so that we can be better leaders for ourselves, our families, and in our community. I am your host, Cliff Duvinois, and today's guest has made a name for himself in the fields of artificial intelligence and in healthcare, but where you probably experienced his greatest passion, and that is for food. He is the owner and operator of four restaurants that are located in Bay City's downtown area. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the president and founder of the Downtown Restaurant Investments Association, Dave Dittenberg. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, Cliff. Thanks a lot for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Yes, no problem. And I am absolutely full of questions because I thought owning one restaurant was insanity, but you own four. And and we get to reopen them all back up this week too, which is which is insane in its own right, but but going pretty well. Oh yeah, I bet you that's just 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 going to be an absolute goat rodeo for that. So <laughs> yeah. So speaking of restaurants, let's talk about artificial intelligence. I'm just kidding. Let's uh, take a trip back in time. Why don't you tell everybody where you're from and where you grew up? Yeah. So I grew up in up in Augray, Michigan, which is about an hour north of Bay City, worked for all the, the restaurant families in, in Augre. So started off in a dish pit in, at H&H Bakery and uh, worked at the local bakery for Lutz, Lutz's Bakery delivering pizzas and, and then ultimately ended up working in, in the, behind the bar and waiting tables for a family, the, the Dunleavy's there in town. So all my family was from up in Augre and, and it was a great experience growing up, but I've been in hospitality in restaurants since I was probably 12 years old, doing various stuff from cleaning and ultimately working working up to to now owning them. But yeah, just good experience, small town kind of thing, and and uh, loved every minute of it. Excellent. Where did you go to college? I went to school at uh, Aquinas College in Grand Rapids. I studied biology, wanted to be a doctor. Realized that that was going to be a little bit more more above my maybe mental grade, if you will. And so, but yeah, did a, the bio and chemistry degree and was kind of on the the track to do something in healthcare. And and ultimately, the the restaurants drug me back in. So that was graduated in '97 from Aquinas, and then moved to Bay City directly after that to to open Old City Hall. So what is it about Bay City that attracted you to that area? So again, being Bay City to us when we were growing up, this is where we went for doctor's appointments and anything for shopping. We didn't have a lot of choices in, in Augre at the time. So we always came south to Bay City. And so when I was when I was about ready to graduate from school, I you know called back and told my parents, hey, listen, I think this is a a good idea. And they're kind of like, really, we went through and <laughs> we went this college route and then now you want to go back and operate restaurants. And so they bought into the idea. They were looking, kind of looking around for me. And I think they liked the idea of me coming back over closer to home, being in Grand Rapids at the time. And so honestly, I looked in, there was a place in Grand Rapids, which I had looked at that was right down the road from school across from the Amway Grand. I looked at, it looked at a place in Jackson and then my mom and dad called me up with the place, Old City Hall that had come for sale and wanted to know if I'd uh, come back over and take a look at it. So honestly, they were the ones who found it and told me about it. And that's, that's kind of how we, we ended up back over this way. Excellent. And I know that between graduating from college. And I know you talked about uh, coming back to Bay City and uh, opening up Old City Hall. Somehow or another, you started dabbling in artificial intelligence. What's that about? 
So that was a, that was an interesting, I guess, pivot. And I had graduated from school. I went and I worked in the restaurants for about three years before I'd actually, truth be told, I was, I was doing some catering jobs uh, for a lot of pharmaceutical reps. And from the restaurant, I'd go in and I'd deliver food. I'm getting to know these people. And um, one of the girls, Angelique, that I used to work with said, Hey, would you ever consider about going back into going into pharma when I told her what my background was going into sales. And so ultimately the, the pharma thing led getting back into healthcare a little bit. After I transitioned out of pharma, I went to and started another company that uh, got me hooked up with some people locally here for, uh, that used to be with Dow Chemical for 30 plus years that were on the computer science and information system side of things. And uh, they had looked at starting a startup and, and wanted me to kind of go in uh, on the business development side. So truth be told, out of the gate, I had zero experience in data science and AI and machine learning and all the buzzwords and just had to kind of, they were looking at me to set up the sales and, and do business development, so on and so forth. But that was uh, going on five years ago now. It has absolutely been a blast. I mean, it's something I would have never thought that I would have been been a field I've been working in, but ultimately to deal with these really smart kids coming out of school and with data science degrees and theoretical physics degrees and all that kind of stuff and be able to now kind of uh, start in the healthcare. And then we've actually started to do some of the AI related stuff with my partners. Uh, my partner, one of them lives in Switzerland, Was he's, he's Dutch by nationality, worked for Dow for 30 plus years and now lives back in Switzerland. So we're international, which make which brings its challenges as well. But it I guess that's kind of in a nutshell how the AI piece came about of it. So it started in healthcare and then we've even been, you know, transitioning, doing some stuff in hospitality as well. And so with and I do want to go and cover that point in in a couple of minutes. And I know that we at the beginning of the episode, you're we talked about you being a part of the uh, downtown restaurant investments. What did what are those restaurants? What 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 comprises that investment firm? Sure. So we so the 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 restaurant operations in that we have Old City Hall, American Kitchen, and Tavern One Hundred One in downtown Bay City, and then we also have Molasses uh, in downtown Midland. So those are our four restaurants, and then we have another just a catering operation that runs out of there as well that runs under old city hall but so that runs all of our offsite and then also our you know kind of our i think our passion our mission was since old city hall was our flagship and and downtown at that point was just starting its revitalization we really kind of fell in love with this idea of doing the 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 business in the core in you know, cores of the old downtowns and so it's been really kind of the kind of our vision right and and see that growth and be part of that growth and be part of that community. And I'll be honest with you, when we first came to Bay City to talk about even reopening Old City Hall, people thought we were a little bit crazy. And then when we wanted to open a second one and a third one within the same block, they really thought we were nuts. But for us, it was it was just great because we got to see kind of that, you know, what what we believe in, which is that feeling of all those little neighborhoods having their own different personalities and watching the residential and all those other things come down there. So so that's where it started. And then we started investing into real estate in those areas as well. And so not just in 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 Bay City or Midland, but also Saginaw, Freeland, Augre, even we own some property there and some of those areas that basically trying to be part of that, not only on the restaurant hospitality side, but also on the the investment side as well, just to kind of keep those cores intact, right? So 
yeah, that's been, that's been the vision over the years. I know that running a restaurant is tough. I mean, it is just my, my hat's off to anybody who can go out and make a successful run at, at having a restaurant, but you guys have got three of them in operation. What, wow. What, what in the, what in the world, what's, what's part of your magic sauce to, to be able to not just do it once, but be able to just to be able to replicate that. You know, for us, it's always been about the team and the people. And so part of Downtown Restaurant Investments was we we always had the restaurants that were op- operating individually. And we said, if we're going to be able to scale this and continue with the growth and consistency and quality and all the things that we are, are really, truly passionate about, we need to kind of have a management company that's able to to see that. And so that was a really hard transition at first because we started to take are really good people out of the restaurants, right? And and move them into more of a regional type approach where they were overseeing strategy. And so the, to me, the building of the team has been the reason that we've allowed to do that. So you have some really great people that I've worked with for 20 years. My exec chef, Mike, has been, we've worked on and off together since 97. My CFO, Scott, and I have been together now. He left. I always say we have, he had the mistake and he left and then he came back, but we've worked together and have been friends for 20 years. My marketing guy, Dave, we've known each other for 20 years and worked together. And then my GM, Kurt, I mean, he's, he's the newbie on the group, if you will, only been here for a few years, but he's just amazing guy that gets customer service. So for us, it was the ability to first have the talent that we can move into a position where we could scale and be strategic and then take those guys and put them and be able to to train others. And and so I think the the ability to have that team in place is the is the only reason we we were able to do it. Every one of those people that I just mentioned, I mean, I, I don't know what I'd do without them. They're fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like you would have to have a really good team in place just because of the fact that usually with an owner, they have a vision for the particular restaurant and they're so into the workings of that restaurant that I just don't think that they would be able to come up for air. But you've been able to, to successfully replicate this now four times. And I think the other thing too is you have to be really, you have to be flexible, right? I mean, I, I and I've worked for some great, like I said, H&H Bakery and Lutz's and Dunleavy's and did a stint at Outback on the corporate side for a while. And so I had some really good training as some legacy type family people or some strong corporate value people that really did a great job. And so I think all those aspects really helped us to be able to to kind of understand what what it, what was needed in order for us to be successful but i think it's it's really difficult sometimes to 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 sit back and and really keep that keep that focus because the reality is restaurants are changing conceptually what people want the customers are very smart i saw a stat that said every 7 years you need to reinvent and we've even taken it and said with social media and everything that goes on, it needs you might need to reinvent daily or weekly, right? So, right. and for a, a conservative person in terms of approach, the way I am, because I definitely I'm a kind of a repeatable, scalable person. But you need to be very open minded, and and you know the team members, not only from our leadership team, but also from the development of leaders in our you know our management teams at our respective restaurants or our employees. It's very it's very important to hear their views so you can actually start to implement some of those ideas because that's what keeps you current, right? That's what allows you to, to do that type of stuff. Because if not, I, I think the days of those, 
you know, the restaurateurs that have been in business for 80 or 100 years. And I know some really good ones that continue to do it around the state and, and people that I really respect, Zenders and, and Bavarian Inn and some of those. But you don't see as many of those now, I think, because it's it's more the consumers drive what they want. And, and if you don't, if you're not flexible and you're not out there listening, I think that you can really kind of get caught up or stagnant. So we, we try, that's part of our strategy is to continue to be current and learn and listen and, and bring the ideas in and the people that can produce the ideas internally. And talking about producing ideas, because I know you've, you've got the four restaurants, each one of them is different. And I'd, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about them. Before, before we do that, where, where do you get the idea from? to to open up the restaurant like it's one thing to say okay let's open up a restaurant here in this building but each one of the each one of your restaurants has got like a different theme a different idea a different type of food that they serve so where do you get the idea for that so and again in the beginning i will tell you that old city hall we kind of fell into it a little bit there was a guy who came and had a really good idea and then we just continued the idea and were able to do that the 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 second one american kitchen my partner and i at the time thad rathkamp and and Thad and I love the idea of this, this burger concept that we saw in Las Vegas called the Burger Bar. And we're like, we think we can do a version of that back in, in, in our region. And again, you take something that has high traffic in a place like Las Vegas. And so that idea was ours. And honestly, we just kind of went with it and had the team go around the table and kind of, you handle the menu, you handle this, uh, here's the ideas. But, but we learned very quickly in that process that we needed to be a little bit more systematic, if you will. And so the ideation is one thing, but then the implementation is 99% of it. And so the yes. last two, Cavern 101 and Molasses, uh, we worked with a great group. And I've been very lucky too. I've had great mentors in this business and I've had great colleagues. And from my time on serving on the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association, some people that are just kind of like family to me now that if, if you have an idea and you want to run something past them. And so we ended up getting together with a, a guy by the name of Sam Short. Sam and his restaurant group is called Potent Potables and it's out of downtown Lansing. And Sam had a consultant, a consulting company. And so he really helped us kind of turn that idea idea into something that was more more repeatable, more scalable and more easily to implement. And so he just had a very systematic way about it about uh going to do it and then that's I think it puts us in the right lane for success out of the gate versus trying to figure out it, it when we first did it on our own, it would there were things that you'd get to the fork in the road where you're like, wow, we should have really anticipated this fork, you know, and we didn't. Right, yes. And so it was it was really good to have someone um, that had done this multiple times in multiple areas and would help us from everything from market information to how many people that we needed uh, in a kitchen to be able to execute that idea in a, in a profitable way. So yeah, I credit Sam for the last two of being able to really put us in that systematic way. So it wasn't all us by any means, but our team was very active in the process. Sweet. And what I'd like to do now is I'd like to talk about, I'd like to talk about and spend a couple of minutes talking about each one of your restaurants. So tell us for Old City Hall, kind of like what's the thinking behind it? What kind of food uh, are do you serve there? What can people expect when they show up? Sure. So Old City Hall, very, I would say out of all of them, again, still our flagship, but ultimately we have a, an executive chef there that's very eclectic. So he likes to play around with ethnic 
foods, but then also we have traditional things like chops on the menu and then a la carte that has sandwiches. So the idea that and we came in with it, we, we came, we came into the, I uh, did not come into the idea. It was there when we were, when we bought it, but it had a lounge and a bar and then it had a dining room and the dining room at the point when we took it over was very upper scale. And so we knew right up front that we had to kind of tame that back into something that looked, that fit us. And so we, a lot of the dishes have evolved over the years, but I'd say probably 35 to 40% of the menu is similar to where, where we started in 1997, because it's kind of been that classic place, but we just presented it in more of a casual dining instead of a true fine dining place. So again, pasta, steaks, chops, good sandwiches, good soup, good salads can come in in shorts and a t-shirt and you can be dressed up, right? It's, it's, it has a very, how do I want to say this? Like a, like a Southern Cal feel, like you can walk in and be sitting next to a group of business people and you can be sitting there and, and, and enjoy a sandwich and a salad on a, on a nice summer evening as well. So it's very diverse. And again, but we, but we like to play, right? That's always been something that um, if we get to cities and get to see food trends, that would probably be the place that we, that we implement some of those things in there. Right. And, and that's, always been part of the menu and the the cuisine. And then the bar is is always been kind of the place to be seen in Bay City. So a lot of business people, politicians, just community leaders, so on and so forth. And so it's it's we've been very lucky to have kind of that group that's always supported us as well. But you can also see a family and somebody that I used to wait on at Dunleavy's in 1995 in the summer in there. And, and we welcome anybody in there, but a very eclectic group from demographic to food. Sure. And if somebody was coming to, let's say that you've, they've never been to your restaurant before, what would be like a couple of dishes that you would recommend that they try? What, what's like some of your signature dishes? Sure. Old City Hall. I mean, again, the, the, the tomato bisque is something that people have talked about for years. We have an appetizer that is a, is, is a, a lettuce wrap that it's a, a chicken lettuce wrap. That's just people talk about it as we've been co- closed through COVID, right? I mean, people have called me on weeks that they wanted to have, have the chicken lettuce wraps and tomato biscuits brought <laughs> to their house. So it's been really good. And then we've always been known for steaks and, and the, the steak cuts are prime steaks that we've dealt with the same producer for the last 20 years. And so people come there for special occasions for steak and seafood. And again, I talk about some of the ethnic things, right? We've got a couple of our chefs, one trained down South. And so he likes to do a lot of the Southern stuff and he did a stint in Nashville. So you might see something to do with Nashville hot chicken. So it changes a lot, but I would say probably the, the most popular dish would be artichoke chicken. It's just kind of a classic and have been around forever. So, and the tomato biscuit, as far as old city hall goes. Talk to us a little bit about American kitchen. What's, what's the idea behind that? Yes, it was a burger. It was, it was a burger concept and it was something that was born out of that comfort food. Uh, So, so some comfort food stuff on the menu, but uh, truly just around good burgers, right? And so we were dealing with a meat producer um, that had had done uh, whole ground muscle meat, just the, the, the true steak burger, if you will, kind of thing. And we wanted to turn that into something that you could go get a really great burger. And so it, it's a, a small little place that was a former dairy in Bay City forever. So it had a little history to it. Not the best location, not the easiest to get to, but we've had really, really good burgers and really good mac and cheese. And so we've been 
recognized in state contests for stuff like that, which obviously makes us proud of that. People love the 50-50 burger, which is a heart attack, heart attack on a bun, which is nice. half bacon, half bacon and half half blend, house blend with bacon and a fried egg and everything in between on it. So it's oh. it's a popular item for sure. And uh, the mac and cheese is something that we've we've kind of been recognized for that, which is pink conning cheese, which is a local local cheese producer, a local bacon that we use in there, and and uh, people just love it. Sweet. Yeah. Cause I, 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 a handful of years ago, I tried my first hamburger that was made of one of those blends. Like you mentioned, it was like half bacon, half hamburger or something. Oh my, it was so good. Well, I know you talked about, you did some time in, in, in Southern Cal. And, and so the burger idea for the fifth, we called it the 50, 50 burger. It actually came from Huntington beach, California. And so, and I'm, I'm absolutely drawing a blank of the place right now. I cannot think of it to save my life, but I went back to our guys. I'm like, we should do something like this. And they did, it was a little bit different of a blend, but it was literally like bacon on top of bacon. And I'm like, well, people like bacon, so let's try it. You know, (laughs) it's been, it was good. Nice. Yeah. Cause actually I spent, I actually lived in Huntington beach for about four or five years. And there's a couple of really great burger joints down there. So if you base that off of that, then that's probably probably one of those one of those burger joints is where I had the the, the bacon and and hamburger blend or whatever it was that just made me curl my toes. It is, man, and I'll tell you what you feel it. You, I think you sweat salt for about three days afterwards, but it's worth every minute minute of it, right? So it's yeah, it's great burger, great burger. Yeah, you're right, and you don't want to plan anything heavy for that afternoon because you're going to be in a food coma for sure. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about the, the 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 concept idea, a little bit of food behind Tavern One Hundred and One. Yeah, that was Tavern One Hundred and One has all been about the all been about the beers, right? So craft beers. We have seventy beers on tap, and local. Try to highlight as many local people as we can. Again, I remember when the craft beer craze kind of started, it, it was all over the map, right? And and there were things, there are breweries coming out of the woodwork from all areas of the country. And then all of a sudden, Michigan is like producing all these one, just unbelievable beers. And actually some of them, I remember like when Bell's started back in, in the mid nineties, when I was still in Grand Rapids in college. And now all of a sudden, like Bell's Two Hearted is a thing again. I'm like, well, this is awesome, you know? And, and so, so that was kind of the inspiration behind that. All the beers, the stories that these brewers, that they tell. And so we had some, a lot of good friends in that market and the Midland Brewing Company and Mount Pleasant Brewing Company and, and Mountain Town Brewing Company now. And so we went to those guys and said, hey, what do you think about this? We kind of want to be that aggregator of the craft beers. And so it's a really cool spot too. Great location across from the water. Excellent in the summer. That's one of the places we're reopening today, obviously. And yeah, it's just a great place. And we've kind of graduated into doing some craft cocktails and stuff out of there. The food is more flatbread pizzas and appetizer snacks kind of thing. It's definitely, definitely driven more by the beers that are complemented with the food. But then we do some fun stuff with food, with beer too, whether it be sauteing something in, in beer or, or doing some techniques with beer infused or some of the dessert stout puddings and stuff like that. So just a fun menu and a really, uh, a really good demographic too. So lots of fun. About how many craft beers do you usually have on tap there? So right now we have 70. And so that's depending on, we have the ability to do a few more to 
to if we're doing tap takeovers, something like that. So it's yeah, it's it's just really cool, and it allows us to stay very current with the different different craft brews because as soon as they get something cool, they wanted to bring it to us first, which is which is fun. So. And then uh, we're also kind of going to do, um, starting actually today, doing some more with the the craft cocktails on tap. So we're going to have five of those old-fashioned, some some fun specialty cocktails that just are kind of in that same thing, keeping with that tap kind of kind of theme. Well, I, I am a huge sucker for a really good old-fashioned. You have to come over and ch- you have to come over and try it, man. And I'll tell you what: the best part about it is the is the re- is the the intelligence of making it correctly. So anytime yes. we'd love to have you. Yeah, I'm going to take you up on that offer, brother, because I, I will I will share this with you for the people in the audience that don't know. If you do not make an old fashioned correctly, it tastes like band aids. It does. So you either have a really good one or a really bad one. There's nothing in between. There's no, oh, this is okay. No, it's either good or it's bad. So I'm going to hold you to it. All right. All right. I I, I welcome the challenge. I welcome it. And if not, we can work out the recipe. You know, it'll be, we'll we'll work it out together. (laughs) You'll be on the the focus group. It'll be good. Yeah. We'll have to do a podcast around that episode too. (laughs) (laughs) It might be slow. It might be a lot longer and harder to hear, you know, but it's okay. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's perfectly okay. I've never, I've never drunk podcasted before, so that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. Let's talk about molasses in Midland. So first off, because I know this at the time of the recording, you just had the dam burst over in Midland. So first off, was, was molasses impacted in any way, shape or form? And then it, second off, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Was your restaurant impacted at all by this? And, and second off, talk to us a little bit about the restaurant. Yeah, it was so directly affected. We lost power for a few days, but ultimately everything was, nothing was affected. The The neighbors around us, I can say, weren't so lucky, not necessarily Midland, but just some of our customers and so on and so forth. So it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough couple of weeks. And we actually went and, and were feeding a lot of the people, Sanford, Midland, taking meals out to them just with all their houses and stuff just destroyed. It's just, it was sad to see. I, I had my in-laws, they were up on Sanford Lake. And so it's just, it's been, it's tough. It's it. That's a, that's a tough one, but a resilient community and everybody's getting through it. But luckily we were not directly affected, but felt like we just had to do something to try to alleviate some of the pain that was going on. But I, I think the, the restaurant uh, itself, Molasses and in, in this, so we have our one, one year anniversary next week when we open to the public. And, and, and so we're like, this is kind of fitting that we get to reopen almost a year ago. Like we get two openings, which is great, but the community's been fantastic. It's a barbecue place. Again, the, the concept took about a year to come together. We had a, a great pit master that came in and, and worked with us that had been in it for 30 years. And so we were really lucky to have Steve and, and yeah, it's, it's good barbecue, man. It's, we've, We've kind of evolved and we weren't barbecue people. So we knew we needed to surround ourselves with people that understood barbecue and then take our, our service model and kind of meld those two together. And yeah, I, I love, I love the restaurant, man. It's a great location. Midland's great to be in and yeah, it's good food. We are, the motto is we smoke meat every day. That's, that's kind of, we try to keep it simple, but really great stuff. I don't think I've been this hungry on uh, recording a podcast ever. <laughs> Have to get you up, Midland and Bay City, man. We'll 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 fatten you up a little bit. Come on over, dude. I'm starving, Marvin, and I don't need to be fat anymore. I already got like if I'm walking down the road, I got a little kid that points at me and says, "Look, mommy, a whale." So, 
<laughs> no. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, 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 know, I know. I know. I want to I want to get out and try all these places, man. I am uh I am a I'm I'm a foodie in the true sense of the word. I, I will eat anything as long as it tastes good. But I do want to go back to something here real quick that we talked about for molasses, and yep. you said that it's barbecue. There is all different kinds of barbecue. Is there is there one particular style of barbecue that you that you focus in on? Yeah, so so again, the the pitmaster that we opened with, he's more of a, a traditional competition barbecue. So it's it's regionality. It's kind of St. Louis. So the the molasses based sauce, you know, gotcha. stuff that it, it and and again it. But he likes to sauce. So his style is he likes to let the meat smoke or meat speak for itself and then kind of offer up the sauce as a compliment afterwards. So he, so he, he, he's been able to take that competitive kind of barbecue feel, but then also do it in a way that is, is very approachable to the customers by really taking different sauce flavor profiles that kind of fit in with, with what pe- what different people would like. So we've got eight sauces that we put on the table, which again, has been a little bit different from our experience because it's kind of like we serve it on a sheet pan and the barbecue comes out and you can take sauce squeeze bottles and get a little dirty and all that kind of stuff. So post COVID that's been a little different for us. It's because that's part of our after the fact. So it's, it's been a little different to adjust, but it's, it's just really good. It's just really good, simple barbecue, but done correctly. And, and we've got a hickory smoker that we brought in that sits behind the restaurant and, and that thing's going 24 seven right now, which is a great thing. Yeah. Talk about going old school. That's awesome. The uh, one of the things that I do want to discuss with you is the uh, at this time of this recording, well, the the governor has lifted most of the restrictions on people getting out. Restaurants are gearing up uh, to start opening, and, and you and I have have chatted about that a little bit. Talk to us about from especially because of this group and this collection of restaurants that you have. Talk to us a little bit about some of the preparation, some of the work that that you're doing or some of the procedures that you're putting in place to make sure that people can come out and truly experience the, the, the restaurant and what it has to offer, but at the same point in time, feeling safe. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, that and that's a, a great question. And we've heard people talk about the new normal after the last kind of things that have went on over the last few months. But our, our the first thing is, is, and again, it's great to get back reopened. And we, we had some really good sources, again, through the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association that provided us some really good information and kind of the roadmaps to reopen. And so one of the reasons that we decided to open up sooner than later, even for takeout and delivery, is we really wanted to get some of those things implemented into our places. So when we were ready to know that as restaurant tours from a food uh, and health uh, safety point of view, I mean, we're all trained and we work, you know, uh, really closely with the health departments and all those different organizations. And so we understood the importance of ensuring that we were going above and beyond and then retraining our people, but most importantly, letting our customers know that this is something that we take really seriously. And we want to make sure that when you do come into our places that you're safe and you can count on that. And so so through these some of these groups and focus groups that I sat on that were part of the reopening process, we we just as soon as there would be any sort of initiative, we would kind of beta test that in the restaurant, whether it be kind of the six foot social distance 
plans, even though we didn't have people in the places, we were able to kind of set those seating charts out and kind of get a feel for how we're going to manage through that, right? And then how would we, how do we make this as easy for the customers that are coming to our place yet let them know that we got to follow the rules too. And so from PPE to shields to digital menus to things like that. So we've we've really spent a lot of time and getting innovative too with different different products too that stuff that can go on stuff can go on surfaces and be up there up to 30 days that kind of ask acts as a defense and working with Dow Chemical getting hand sanitizer and and doing different stations for that. So it's all been like I said, we we feel like we're really prepared for it. Last week when we got when we did open because Midland opened a week before Bay City did we were, it was honestly, we were, we were kind of ready to, ready to go. And even from a, from the employee standpoint, we're still, we're still taking people's, the employees temperatures as they come in, all the employees need to obviously be in masks and, and gloves and, and all those type of things. And so we just really wanted to make sure that from the customer standpoint, that they, we knew that we were taking it seriously and we wanted them to be safe. Excellent. And for, for the people that are listening to this podcast that might want to connect with you or, you know, follow you online or, or just maybe fo- like uh, just learn more information about the restaurants, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So social media on any of the social media cha- things that goes directly to my managers and they can, people can get in touch with me there. My, my email address is really easy. It's Dave at DRIMichigan.com. And again, even though we've we've tried to scale and be bigger, we're still approachable. I mean, the people that are in our places, we're in our places every day. We're talking to people every day. And again, uh, there's a good chance anybody that's on on my team, we're a text message or an email away. But you know, the the social media sites are are all a good place to see what we got going on and, and communicate with us. But yeah, we'd. I'd, we've reached out, especially in the restaurant, from the restaurant tours perspective, about what they can do to get ready to get reopened. So, you know, we've we've established some really good friends and networks from around the state of people that have reached out to us. So, and customer wise, we love hearing from our customers. So, any ideas or anything they have, we love it. Excellent. And for our audience, we will have the links in the show notes down below. Dave, I'm actually sad. <laughs> We've reached the end of the podcast, and I, I'm I'm so glad that 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 you were able to carve time out for today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me as well, Cliff. Thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate being here, and love listening to some of your previous podcasts, and and really am honored to be part of it. So it's absolutely my pleasure. Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe to our email newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get new episode announcements. You'll get all kinds of great behind the scenes information on upcoming guests. Plus, you'll receive special offers from our guests and partners that you can only get through the email newsletter. Subscribing is quick, easy, and best of all, it is free. Just go to callofleadership.com slash email, type in your email address, and you're done. Once again, that's callofleadership.com slash email. I'll catch you in the next episode.